Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Business School Question. I'm your host, Marco Dinovelis, and this is a podcast for anyone considering applying to business school. Every episode, we interview a leading expert from the business school world and ask them one key admissions question to help you on your journey to business school. On today's episode, we're asking the question, is an MBA worth it? To answer it, we're joined by Gareth Howes, Executive Director of MBA, Masters in Finance and Early Careers Programs at London Business School. Gareth's been in leadership roles at LBS for over 14 years. He runs a tight ship responsible for strategy, planning, curriculum development, admissions and a team of over 50 employees. Ultimately, he's in charge of what two-thirds of students at LBS learn, when they learn it, where they learn it, and which prospective students are allowed in. Perhaps Gareth's proudest moment at LBS, though, was when he got his picture featured in Vogue Online, thanks to a collaboration with the British Fashion Council, something he says his mum was very proud of especially. Gareth, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. So, Gareth, The Master of Business Administration, or MBA, is still the holy grail for ambitious businessmen and women around the world. According to the latest Application Trends Survey report conducted every year by the Graduate Management Admission Council, over 290,000 people applied for graduate management degrees in 2018, and around three quarters of them were prospective MBAs. The traditional full-time two-year MBA is still the most in-demand graduate management programme. And to do an MBA, people are prepared to part with some serious cash. At LBS, the full-time MBA costs just over $100,000 in tuition alone. At Wharton, two years of MBA study will set you back over $150,000. That's before living costs, travel, health insurance, bar tabs, and all the rest of it. Gareth, before we get on to anything else, why are MBA programs so expensive? Sure. I mean, it's a good question. And we recognize that it's a question that candidates ask uh, all the time. I think essentially, first of all and foremost, there's many different MBAs there out in the market, uh, many different shapes and sizes, differing content, differing length uh, as well. In terms of what makes up an MBA, well, at the heart of it, is the academics. I think if you're going to business school, you want to learn from uh, the best in terms of leading academics in the field who are thought leaders, who are practitioners. And, you know, the market for top faculty uh, is a global and very competitive market. So that can often uh, drive or explain some of the cost of the MBA. But it's not just about the the cost of, if you like, the the, the faculty. Obviously, we're dealing with the them leading a lot on the core courses, elective courses, but beyond the classroom, many MBAs or a good MBA should be focusing also on the theory into practice, the experiential learning. Often that experiential learning is done not only just locally, uh, but also globally in terms of global immersion field trips. But in addition to that, I think it's also about the quality Uh, the learning environment, the teaching facilities, the investments in technology, and just the overall campus. We recognize, though, that the MBA is not only a major financial investment, but most importantly, it's also the personal and professional investment. And it isn't just about what you do upon graduation. We're seeing this very much as a lifelong investment in the career. Absolutely. So, 
MBA programs are expensive, we know that, but at the same time, thousands of people apply to them each year. So people are willing to, to part with that cash. Why are people willing to part with that cash? What are the key benefits of an MBA which makes them worth that sort of money? Well, as I said earlier, like I said, in addition to the finances, it's essentially this personal and professional investment. Again, what's I found really interesting over a number of years, I've worked in this industry for a long time and seen the industry change and also the MBA change and see how different schools evolve and adapt to that. But essentially, students are coming here uh, related to their career, they either might be wanting to accelerate their career, completely change their career, but they're also looking for just a broader career satisfaction and fulfillment, thinking about their place in the world, how they might be able to create influence, impact, uh, and essentially value creation, not just for themselves, but also for the businesses or organizations that they work for. Going to the personal side, I think a lot of people come here to build their own confidence as well as develop their knowledge and skills. Um, But they're also looking, I think, for agility. I think increasingly, I think, history shows but also as we see right now just how everything is being disrupted in terms of businesses and I think students will sometimes seek out something like an MBA um, that can give them that kind of skills and knowledge but also agility to adapt to whatever's going to uh, change in the future as well. So that tends to be the kind of primary motivation that why students seek out uh, an MBA. The the most interesting thing for me though is, is just how Um, People that seek out the MBA has much more diversified. Um, Historically, MBAs have known as primarily a a pipeline for to go into finance and consulting. And those remain very important career destinations for students on MBA programs. But to me, what's fascinating is just how many more other sectors now seek out MBA talent. Technology is an obvious one. It's, it's, it's fast growing. But I think everything from the luxury sector to energy to retail uh, along e-commerce, um, all those different sectors are now switching on to MBA talent and wanting to hire them into their industries and their companies. Yeah, so an MBA can be a, a huge catalyst for somebody's career. If we talk about just at a base level money, in particular, if you're paying this amount of money, ultimately you expect that you're going to be earning higher wages after graduation if you're not starting your own business, for example. And people talk about return on investments, ROI. So people consider different MBA programs by looking at whether they're going to get a return on their investments. And yes, there's lots of other aspects at play and access to higher positions and new opportunities and the network that an MBA brings. But if we just focus on on that base level of thinking in monetary terms, if someone's paying for a degree at LBS, for example, how long can they expect to wait until they get a return on their investment? Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, again, recognizing that it is a major financial investment pretty much after a mortgage it's probably the biggest uh, single financial investment you'll make in your adult life i mean obviously we have those stats we track our graduates upon exit but also uh, keep tracking them years on beyond the, the the program so for example just on average our students typically graduate with salaries of about eighty thousand. Of course, there are massive ranges 
uh, within that, but that's the mean average across all sectors. But if you then kind of track students kind of three years out from the degree, and again, we see that for our own tracking, but also through, say, something like the Financial Times ranking, typically you're at then students are at 127,000 pounds as well. So when we track people, say, from the point of entry through to three years out, already students, our data shows that students have experienced a 109% increase in salary. Um, And we recognize that because, of course, students want to need to be able to pay back because often students will come onto the MBA for a variety of funding sources, sometimes personal savings, sometimes taking on loans. Of course, we, like any other business school, have scholarship offerings as well to support that. Um, So we do recognize that if you put it down to just money, um, our data shows that students are actually making major improvements in the salary. I would um, also say that beyond the money, I think there's many other ways to calculate the value that an MBA does. Again, it's sometimes, I think not everything should be measured by money. I think career satisfaction, career fulfillment isn't just measured uh, in money. Increasingly, a lot of students uh, use the MBA to set up on their own. And obviously, as we know, in those first few years, they're earning very little, particularly if they go into a startup or they're setting up their own business. And not everybody wants to create the next Amazon, the next Google, the next Spotify as well. Career satisfaction can be measured not only about are they creating value beyond uh, financial returns and profits are they doing something that gets them up in the morning and but also the lifelong community friendships connections that they make during that time serves them well for the rest of their career and I think you know we can continue and we do track um, our alumni five years out, 10 years out. But I think it's really important that anyone considering an MBA and its cost and its purpose and its value should be very much seeing this as the lifelong investment for the remainder of their career. They're, everyone's living longer, everyone's working longer. So if you take a typical, you know, an average MBA, uh, you'll usually find them at 29, 30 years old. Often they know that they're going to be working for another 30, 40 years. So we very much encourage that consideration of the investment and the return on investment uh, to be not just about that first job or the first five years. But our data shows that students make major uh, increases in earnings capacity and salary. Absolutely. And, and just going back to those figures, you were talking in pounds, but, but in dollars, we're looking at around $105,000 starting salary after graduation and then 160 uh, three years after. And is that ROI that we point at there the same depending on the program type? So if we take that as a full-time MBA, is that, would that be the same for part-time MBA or looking at other schools' online MBA programs? Or, sure. or are there variations there? I, th- I think it can vary quite a lot because I think sometimes the profile of uh, of the various different programs can differ in terms of age and, and length of experience. So typically, part-time MBAs, executive MBAs tend to be at a more advanced stage. 
of their career. So, for example, our average work experience on the MBA here at London Business School is five years. The average on our executive MBA, which is done in a part-time format, is 10 years. So there it's quite difficult because people are usually, if you're at a more advanced stage of career, then their current earnings are usually higher. So it's, it's, it is sometimes comparing apples to to oranges really on that but again I think the base of any MBA whatever its format is about the investment about acquiring skills and knowledge for individuals to be successful and ultimately to create value for the organizations because a business school is nothing if it doesn't reflect the way the world does business and it's very important that business schools continue to evolve their programs and their MBAs to make sure that they're developing the skills and knowledge that business needs. And as you mentioned, schools offer a a plethora of scholarships and there's plenty of loan schemes out there. There's a lot of opportunity to get help with with funding your tuition. And that certainly helps when you're thinking about the value and the worth of an MBA paying off. You mentioned some in, in passing and more generally, but let's let's look more specifically. What what does an MBA program give you in terms of the benefits that studying a different kind of program wouldn't? For instance, a master's in management, which is quite similar, perhaps more pre-experienced students on that, or another type of business masters. What what is it about MBA? What does it give you? What benefits does it give you that other programs can't? Well, I think that's been really interesting to see, certainly over the last 10 to 15 years, about how the graduate management education industry has developed and evolved uh, even. I've worked with MBA programs now for over 20 years, and it's fair to say that 20 years ago, it was almost the only program that was fully recognized in the market. And I think what's been really interesting, as you mentioned, is to see the rise of two other segments. Uh, Sometimes they're confused uh, with each other, but the kind of early careers segment, as you mentioned, like the master in management, but also then a plethora of often shorter and specialized masters. Coming back, though, to the MBA, I think what we've got already here is – it really is about the depth and breadth. Obviously, as I mentioned, MBAs differ in length. I think about two thirds of the market tends to be the classic model of two years, and that's one of our that's the London Business School MBA. But of course, obviously, there are high quality, and about a third of the market are made up of one year MBAs. I think the really important thing is all MBAs are characterised with a number of things. They are essentially primarily post experience, so of course, they're already building on an existing body of experience and knowledge, but they tend to be uh, have a greater depth and breadth than a shorter uh, master's or uh, specialist master's. They're intended to be broad and general in terms of scanning more business disciplines, whether it's marketing or strategy or entrepreneurship and things like that. They also typically offer a great amount of choice to allow students to customize their learning to their particular career objectives and and personal and professional objectives as well. There tends to also be a greater focus on experiential learning, uh, but also a heavy investment in skills development, often often called soft skills. I hate that phrase just because it um, implies that it's not equally important to theory uh, and knowledge, uh, but also there's some of the hardest skills to teach as well. So the depth and breadth that you get in an MBA, it's not to say is 
better than other programs. Like I said, I think things like the, the Masters in Management are targeted to a younger, less experienced group, and therefore their needs are covered in a different way, and usually in a shorter length uh, as well. So come back to the MBA, it is still uh, the most widely recognized. Uh, being post-experience means that the, the learning journey is different and there's a need to create greater choice and flexibility because when people are graduating, as I said, at the age of, say, on an average, about 30, 31, uh, they're looking to make not just their first jump into the business world, like in the Masters in Management, they're looking to make a career acceleration. And in order for business schools to affect that uh, acceleration, there's even more in-depth content and a variety of content as well. And we've spoken about the value of an MBA in terms of student experience. Uh, what about in terms of how employers see an MBA? Certainly in the US, there'll be jobs where you need an MBA to get recruited. Um, in the UK, Europe, in Asia, that's less so the case. How do employers view an MBA alongside those other degrees? It, it, no, it's an interesting question. As, as I said, at London Business School, we've not only grown our MBA, I mean, it's, re it's really interesting. We've just uh, added our sixth stream to create our largest ever MBA intake uh, more recently. Uh, but we've also grown things like our masters in, in management. Again, we enrolled recently our largest ever class there. There's, there's room for all, I think. But you're right, the MBA is the most recognized. Um, I think at times, you know, business schools, MBA programs can come in for some criticism. Are they still relevant? What is the return on an uh, investment? Are they worth it? Um, and I think the true test really is, is, as you said, going back to the employers. MBAs only exist if employers want to hire those people. And I think, though, you can sometimes and – and the critical test is about talent. If MBA programs are producing graduates that don't have the skills and knowledge that businesses need, then they won't be hired. Um, and so I think a lot of that is evidenced by employment reports. So, for example, uh, on our most recent one, with 93% getting jobs within three months. But I think what's interesting, as I said, not only what's interesting about um, the inputs to an MBA, i.e. the diversification of uh, candidates that seek out an MBA and what they want to do. It's also fascinating to see the diversification of employers that seek MBA talent. So it's no longer just banks and consultants. Uh, it's also tech firms. It's also small startups. And again, a wide variety of sectors. It essentially comes down to talent. Recruiters and employers will hire the people that are the best people. And some will be from the MBA, but there are also the same recruiters that recruit from our MBA at London Business School are also coming to campus to recruit our masters in management students as well. So it's very much looking for the best person for the job. Often, though, because of the levels of experience, say, a masters in management will be going in at, say, an analyst level versus an associate level for an MBA. So as long as companies uh, are trying to recruit a diverse set of talent for all different parts of their business, then MBAs and other programs can continue to exist. But if an MBA or a master's in management doesn't deliver the students and the knowledge that they're seeking, well, then business schools are doing a bad job. And I think that, to me, is what compels business schools to keep 
evolving. I mean, we teach this stuff in business school. Kodak, BlackBerry, uh, Nokia, all these companies that had it all but then didn't see the way the wind was blowing. And to some extent, business schools have that as a challenge. To me, it's the most exciting things because I think at the moment you stop delivering something to the needs of candidates and the needs of employers, well, then maybe it's time to stop doing what you're doing. Two things that we haven't mentioned uh, that you've certainly hinted at is the network that MBA gives you. People talk about their MBA network in terms of their net worth. And um, it's certainly compared to other programs, you'll be interacting with people from various different backgrounds, high positions, and that will future proof you. And when we're thinking about future proofing, uh, business schools now are essentially preparing students for jobs that don't necessarily exist yet in quite a changing work environment. And do you think that's something that an MBA, because it's a generalist degree, because it's quite an adaptive uh, degree and um, flexible degree, do you think that prepares students for the unknowns in the future better than another more specific master's program might? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think, yes, they can and they should. Of course, I can't speak for every MBA program uh, in the world. I can only use kind of um, a reference point of what we do here. But yes, an MBA must evolve. Again, general management doesn't have to mean generalist. Of course, there's a lot of a number of core disciplines that, that some of the, the principles and the theories don't necessarily change. But again, how you bring that to life and the examples and the case studies you you must be kept up to date but i think what's important now in mbas and certainly it is um is the ability to customize it is not one size fits all so again an mba should be made up of a high level of choice of electives where you can customize and also specialize within a general management frameworks um and so for example right now what we are doing and what a lot of mba are doing again is speaking to recruiters and at the moment there's a huge emphasis on analytics big data disruption technology digital competencies and we've responded to that and mba programs are responding to that to make sure that they are delivering access to students access to courses and elective courses as well as projects experiential learning which is geared towards um that that disruption will continue and i think what mba programs are doing is 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 two things really ensuring in terms of making sure that you can develop a global mindset because as trade winds come in um then again money uh, and opportunities may move from different locations in the world. So what we want to do, what the MBA should do, is to train you to work anywhere in the world, but also is to give you that skills and knowledge to be adaptable, to stay agile. Um, because again, what an MBA program should do, coming back to your earlier point about this lifelong network and community that you join, there's a responsibility of business schools to continue the process of lifelong learning. So for example, four or five years ago, no one was talking about fintech. Now it's a big area, particularly say in London, and we now have courses in those areas. But for those alumni who graduated four or five years ago, we're giving them access and opportunity to come back and update their knowledge uh, with as new and emerging technologies, insights, 
and skills and knowledge gaps emerge as well. So I think it's very important that MBAs continue to allow students to customize their journey so that they can still have the breadth, but also the depth, particularly in the areas that they're most interested in as they look at at kind of what business needs and what business tellers they need. So Gareth, I think we've certainly established that Ultimately, an MBA is a future-proofing device. It makes you an adaptable professional. You'll get a great network. You'll be paid more after graduation. You'll get higher positions. Not a certainty, of course, but um, (laughs) it's certainly got lots of benefits. Um, Let's do some quick-fire questions from an applicant perspective. In what scenario, MBAs aren't going to be for everyone, In what scenario do you think an MBA isn't worth it for an applicant? When might a different program be more appropriate? When might it not be worth the risk of the big investment? Sure. Uh, I mean, again, as you said, an MBA isn't for everyone. It's not a golden ticket. Uh, Remember that there are graduate schools, business schools, graduate tens of thousands of MBAs every year. It's about the individual just having an MBA from a, a leading business school isn't just going to open all the doors. It will open the doors to perhaps for an introduction, but if you don't work hard on the program, often sometimes for candidates, there's an assumption that, well, the hard part is getting in and that once I've got in, well, then I can just sit back and get the dream job. Uh, it's a global competitive market. You have to work hard. It will give you what you need, but not a, not everything that you want. You have to study. You have to engage. Whilst we, though, encourage candidates to come in with plan A, of course, we encourage them to have a plan B or C. An MBA will alone, though, will just not, if you have no idea what you want to do with your life, don't assume that an MBA is going to provide all those answers uh, as well. I think as we talked earlier, the fact that now there's a much wider variety of things on offer in terms of alternatives to the MBA, some of them, the considerations would be where they are in their career right now. So for example, London Business School and many other business schools offer specialist master's programs in finance. You have to be pretty sure that you want to stay in finance for the vast majority of your career. So you have to be very careful and focused on what do I need right now and where do I want to be in 5, 10, 15 years. And for some people, maybe going to business school is for some people, it might be not right now. But for some people, maybe it's not um, for them at all. As I said, it's uh, going to business school and getting a degree certainly provides opportunities and return on that investment, but it's not a golden ticket. People have to be prepared to work hard, very hard, uh, to be prepared to admit their weaknesses and work on those, um, but also to be flexible and adaptable because not everyone can get job X because usually there's many other people going for the same job. So people need to be realistic as well as ambitious in their aspirations. So you mentioned if you want to do an MBA, you should have a good idea of what you want to do with your career. Do do you dismiss the notion that I might be an applicant, I want to explore what I want to do in my career, let's do an MBA for a year, two years and find out? No, no, I'm not saying that you can't use an MBA to explore. I think it's more of if someone is unsure but knows that they want to 
make a difference, make an impact, uh, make an investment in the career, that's fine because an MBA certainly will give you options, choices. I think it's more for those people who have absolutely no idea at all and perhaps don't have any motivations and or goals to work hard or, uh, or expect everything to be handed on a plate. So to me, it's an important difference because what we find on the MBA program is two things, really. First of all, a candidate finds that plan A, everything that they've always hoped, uh, you know, I want to do X. And then they usually try that out via an internship and realize actually that is so not what I thought it would be. It was so I didn't enjoy it as much as I could. But also, though, when they get here, they're suddenly surrounded with amazing, talented people from all around the world already from all different industries. And they're suddenly exposed to plans B, C and every other letter of the alphabet that they hadn't perhaps considered. So, no, we welcome that. We encourage that. I think it's just for anyone who thinks it's going to be easy and that it's a golden ticket whether they don't have to fulfill their side of the bargain, I'd say they're not perhaps for the MBA. So it is about mentality, attitude, um, as well as skills and experience. Given your role at LBS, as a final question, Gareth, what's your advice for anyone applying to LBS? Well, what big words of advice do you have for anyone who's considering an MBA at LBS? Sure. Um, oh, I've got a million and one things. I think, first of all, because we, we, get, we get thousands of applications. And as I mentioned, we have, we have grown the MBA successfully uh, very recently. But I think be yourself. I think, of course, we require, similar to most business schools, we require a GMAT or GRE. We require references. My best advice is do focus on the essays, questions. I think people, candidates, sometimes assume that we don't pay too much attention to them, that we're just looking to admit people with the highest GMAT scores. It's not about that. We're looking for a diverse class. And the best way for us to get to know a candidate as quickly as possible is be open and honest in your essays where we're asking about what they're seeking to get from their MBA experience, why London Business School, and be authentic. Don't just say things that you think we want to hear because, of course, we're adept and experience of when a candidate we think is going through the motions. I mean, nobody gets into London Business School without a personal one-to-one interview face-to-face with one of our alumni. Uh, But of course, you know, we can't interview everyone that applies. So the essays and the applications are really important for us to do that first cut on who we want, who we're interested in and who we want to know more about. So that's the best opportunity on the essays. The usual other things, apply with a complete application, spell check, sense check, write these things yourselves as well. You'd be surprised sometimes we still get, uh, you know, I really want to go to London Business School because X is a great school and they list another school. So copy and paste jobs, a big no-no. And of always, you know, apply as early as you can. We don't want people to rush their applications. But as I said, we have four stages uh, of applications and we're making offers and judgments across each stage. So if you apply later at that point, we've already made a fair amount of offers. So the bar does get even put even higher anyway. So apply early, a complete application, and a thoughtful and personal application that tells us the very best about you. 
There you go. Don't copy and paste on your MBA application. <laughs> Thank you, Gareth. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this very first episode of the Business School Question. Do look out for our next episode, where we'll be asking Nunzio Quacclarelli, Wharton MBA and CEO of rankings organization QS, Quacclarelli Simmons, how can you choose the right business school? You can download our podcast on iTunes on your iOS device, open the podcast app, then tap browse at the bottom of the screen and type in the business school question. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate and review it on iTunes. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Tell all your colleagues and friends. The business school question is brought to you by the team at Business Because, without a doubt, my favourite online publisher dedicated to graduate management education. Whether you're considering an MBA, EMBA or Business Master's programme, read more business school news and get practical resources to help your business school application on businessbecause.com.